Hey everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlosky. Hey listeners, how we doing? Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503 558 6349 or slash portland On this episode of the podcast, it's just uh, me and Nick again. We got it. It's just the two of us. So, cue the Will Smith song. Yeah. Who one, is it? one of our friends didn't know, like, thought that that was originally just a Will Smith song. Was it? Which is like, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm 33. I think you're 35 or 36. I'm 36, yeah. Like, none of us is, like, old, but, like, I mean, come on, man. How young do you have to yeah, be? Right. <laughs> Anyway, um, what we're trying to do today is a couple weeks ago, I went at to the Oregon Republican Party platform convention in Bend. Um, I went two years ago to the one in Pendleton. They have it every two years where we get to, for those of you on the, uh, on the YouTube, get to go over this fancy document and uh, make amendments and changes. And uh, if you listen to our podcast from two years ago... You know that Nick and I have a lot of a lot of issues with this particular document, and so every time I get a chance to go and try to make changes, you know, I take the opportunity. We had a lot of whiskey with this particular document too. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, so I've been asked periodically over the, you know, my political life, uh, you know, why I'm still a Republican. That. Um, you know, why not just abandon the party a la Newt Bueller or Colin Powell or any of the other people who have left the party to be non-affiliated voters, independents, whatever, because of the, the way that Trump and everything has gone in the party. And this is one of the major reasons is that I get to go to these sorts of things and, you know, have an input on a document that in theory represents, you know, 600,000 people in the state of Oregon. The, all the registered Republicans. Um, if I was a, an independent or a non-affiliated voter, I don't get that opportunity. I don't get that influence. And, you know, small influence though it may be, it is something. And if all of us like-minded, I won't say moderate, Nick doesn't like the moderate, but <laughs> all of us like-minded Republicans were to leave the party, there's no one left. The only people left are the, are the, uh, the, the pirates others. running the ship. The others, Which yeah, are, and they're not the Pittsburgh pirates. They're not the good kind. Let me ask you though the 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 alternative in that exact situation is we could go be we could go be Democrats and we could go have a moderating influence on the Democratic platform because as we've also gone through in a number of different episodes, the those guys are equally <laughs> crazy in a completely different way than the Republicans. But those guys are way far out there. Well, Would it not be just as fun to go and go to the show up at their convention and complain about their stuff in Oregon? the democrats run the show and where there's power you have people trying to get that power in oregon the republican party has very little power and so there's not as many profiteers trying to take advantage of the system and and build their because being <laughs> being the top dog in the oregon republican party doesn't doesn't really mean a whole it's lot like winning the nit right exactly so um if we were or I or you or whomever were to go to the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, excuse me. Um, I don't think they'd allow us in. I don't think we would, because in order to be a delegate to the ORP convention, you have to be elected by other PCPs, precinct committee people. And the, you a lot of times have to give a three to five minute speech about who you are and what you believe. And I think that would very quickly disqualify me from being a Democrat. <laughs> I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like you'd probably be the same the same boat. Well, and that's and I, I honestly, it's a fun question. You kind of have a fun thought exercise. But it, at the end of the day, we are Republicans. I yes. those of us listening, those of us watching on the YouTube, we are Republicans, and we do what we a want a better state, we want a better country, we want a better society, but we want a better party. We want to have the party go in a direction where it can 
have me you know make meaningful change do all the positive things that we want promote small businesses and family welfare and you know infrastructure and all these kinds of good things but we want to win races the, the yes. way that you do that is by winning races and the way that you win races is by not having a document like exactly what's sitting <laughs> in front of you fortunately nobody reads this thing except True. for politicos um so i'm not even gonna tell you where to find it i mean if you want to go look for it you can but uh, so I actually looked just before this and the new version has not been uploaded yet. So what I have in front of me is the old version. I have the proposed changes, but then those proposed changes were edited a little bit um, by the time that they were they were posted. So um, just kind of want to give a recap of how the how the weekend went. Let's and, do it. Uh, yeah, we met some drinking. fans. I say we. I wasn't there. <laughs> we, the royal we. There were fans of the show. Were, there were people. Highlight. There were a couple people I had never met who have listened to this show. Um, and came up and introduced themselves. So anyway, thank you all for coming to say hi. That was fun. Do bug us at conferences. Send us email, hate mail us on Twitter, I whatever. Like we enjoy the engagement. Nick runs the Twitter account. So I hate, hate mail goes <laughs> yeah. on Twitter. Knock yourself out. I have fun with it. So one of the interesting things about this process is it's very parliamentary, very, you know, structured. Robert's rulesy. Robert's rulesy. And while that may sound boring and uninteresting, um, I actually think that it is like once you understand it, it it makes a, a big difference. Uh, one of the biggest difference. So, I guess backing up. Typically, what happens is you go to the you know with all the pleasantries and formalities at the beginning, and then you break into groups, and they they call them caucuses in this one. I don't know if we had the term caucus in Pendleton, but they the platform is broken down into sections and the sections there are 19 sections and so you break into 19 different groups each one taking one of those sections you go like recess for three hours i think it was was there now i thought when we did our episode there was like 12 or 14 or something is there i think they added some okay yeah they added a couple uh but there's no set number. It's just kind of the document is pretty flowing. You know, you can add or subtract as you as you see fit. And nobody ever seems to want to subtract. It always gets added to in which it ends up being, you know, 20 pages long. Anyway, I digress. So you split into 19 different groups, actually 20 because the preamble gets its own group. And then you go and make your own. You, you make changes. And then everybody comes back together as one group. You go over all those changes. This usually happens the following day. You go over all those changes line by line, and the group then gets to comment on these. So the the reason being that all the wordsmithing, all of the you know idea brokering takes place in these smaller groups. Then they bring their their ideas to the main group, who then ratifies and it and vote yay or nay. Right. So one of the interesting things between Pendleton and Bend. In Pendleton, they had three different sessions. And so I forget exactly what they were, but let's just say they were sections one, two, and three were at 10 o'clock. Sections four, five, and six were at one after lunch. And section seven, eight, nine were, you know. So you could weigh in on a number of different sections. You could weigh in on three different sections because there were three different groups. And where I kind of saw the power of this was they had uh, something got screwed up in the the timeline or whatever. I I forget exactly, not timeline. schedule something got screwed up now you're thinking so, of twitter yeah <laughs> I know, right, right? Uh, something got screwed up and so they were not able to start on time so the the we started with the what was it the um the the foreign policy plank Riveting. So, so this is one of the planks that or the one of the sections that nobody really pays a whole lot of attention to it's in there it's actually got a lot of stuff in there that i would like to get rid of but it's you know people go to the family they go to the medical they go to uh those of us veterans a lot of times go to the veteran one this is not one that people go to there's usually a handful of people well because it started early and there was nothing else to go to this there's like Hmm. 35 people who went to this who went to go weigh in on foreign policy because there's nothing else to do either that or you stand around and i don't remember exactly why that was but someone made the motion to remove foreign policy in its entirety yes whoever that was come on the podcast (laughs) we need you buddy so we um yeah i forget who made the motion but it was one vote away from passing one vote away from removing an entire page from the platform and so just because something's out of the platform doesn't mean we believe in it or we stop believing in it 
but the state of Oregon really should not be weighing in on foreign policy. That's my stance. Like this is this is not a thing. And they, you know, they'll the argument against my position is that we have representatives who represent us at the federal level and they weigh in on foreign policy and therefore we need to inform cliff bentz cliff i was gonna say it's literally <laughs> our, our just one him. one guy uh that of of what our intentions are on or what our beliefs are on on foreign policy i would bet you a dollar cliff bentz just has no idea what's in that section i would hope hope to God that that's the case. <laughs> I please, Cliff, don't take your time doing this. But anyway, there's some stuff in Taiwan. There's some stuff on like Trump's policies. This is what they did, um, you know, back in Pendleton because Trump was still president. And so anyway, we were we in Pendleton. We were one vote away from getting rid of this the, that one section. Good job, so Pendleton this, people. This is where the chair, so Senator Hurd, uh, gets his power is by setting up because what you the, can do the current chair he the, won the chair in penalty right well yeah since then yeah but th- this is where he get, where the chair gets his power is through this parliamentary procedure of setting these things up because you can have you know if you have one section that you want to make um that you want to make significant changes to you you give you make um the leader of that caucus one a of your guys a friend and then you put it alongside similar enough family planks, values or right that will that will take all of your of detractors people. away and so then you can you can focus on that one if you if you if you were to do something like that so this is what happened in pendleton in bend everybody met all at once you only got one input so all 19 caucuses met at the same time that so, strikes me as so first off a lot of the things about the Oregon Republican Party are screwy. This is not new. This is not breaking news or whatever. But even if you were a like a uh, a hardcore died in the wool MAGA person, why would you not? Would you not then be worried that you and me and we need like four other people? We could pick any one of the planks that we wanted to, and we could go through and just say, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" Yeah, everybody else is doing family values and medical freedom right. and whatever we're going to jump in on you know lgbtq stuff and say the republican party of oregon supports homosexuality and transgender rights and whatever like so we could have done that i think the failsafe on this one is that everything has to go to the back to the main body and the main body has to approve everything and actually i'll, I'll talk about it later but the main body had actually rejected some changes so that's kind of the failsafe but once it's changed, it's really hard to unchange. It, not really hard, but it's much more difficult. So, I mean, for instance, I would love to see the line about marriage being between one man and one woman removed from the, from the platform. Get it out of there. So, what I could do is I could go to the family values section, make that motion, get it changed. And then when everybody comes together for one big group, um, now it's no longer in there. Now it's Now they say, this is the proposed new family plank family section and that that line simply isn't in there that's bentley that's nick's dog if you can hear it there's a leaf blower and a barking pug yeah, we got good all times. kinds of situations yeah. bentley clearly hadn't had his friday afternoon great radio yet. we know why don't i close the window i was gonna say that's so i lost my train of thought so yeah the, the, but once it's out you know someone then has to re-add it because they'll so they'll come in and they'll say this is the new proposed family values plank and our family values section, I keep calling them section it's planks. The planks are underneath the sections. The section is family values. The plank would be whatever the particular. Is. Yeah, exactly. So now it's no longer in there. And now someone has to go up in front of all 200 people and make the motion to add it back if they wanted to add it. So there is power in the caucuses, but the real power, you know, you have to, it has to be go through vetting. Anyway. So one of the other differences that they did between this and the one in Pendleton is you had to have a motion to send the section to caucus in the first place. So you potentially okay. could have had a, a whole section that was not that was unchanged from the beginning. Just kind of negating the purpose of anybody being there offering any motions or doing anything in the first place right and so they they tried to do this with the family values section 
with the family values. So here again, getting into this parliamentary nonsense that nobody cares about except for me. If the family values section that has all this homophobic nastiness in it, there are 20, 30, 40 people who go to that platform convention specifically to keep all that hatefulness in the, in plat- the platform. In the platform. And so they all made the motion, we don't want to change it. We want to not send this to caucus. We don't want to talk about it. We want to leave it unchanged. So what happens to those 40 people if they don't have a family values section to go defend? They go disperse to all the other crazy sections. Exactly. And they spread their crazy to the rest of the platform. So fortunately, we were able to kill that motion. The family values section was up for debate. And all the thirty or forty of those people who have to want take to keep your time and yeah, they have they there. have to go and now defend the family values plank rather than spreading homophobia throughout the rest of the section the so, platform. So let me ask: Did you? Can I ask? What was it clear? What? Dallas Hurd's intent was if if there is power in being the chair if there's power in setting the agenda and setting the topics and you know putting everything at the same time was his interest in keeping kind of the status quo was his interest in ensuring that something would be debated so that all the crazy people have to go to one place and actually let you know god forbid democracy happen in some of their platforms like which way was he going with some of these things? So I actually had a conversation with Dallas off offline, and I don't want to throw him under the bus, so I won't divulge what he told me. But um, basically, I think he was just trying to. I think he realizes that a lot of people don't read this, and having having been a state senator, I think he realizes that this this document really only serves as fodder for people to throw things at us and you know oh the platform says this and you know some some journalists will read it and talk about how terrible the republicans are but other than that it's it's not really that important entrepreneurial podcast hosts will dive into <laughs> exactly. this whole thing with a bottle of whiskey exactly but apart from man eh, we're we're basically journalists right can we call ourselves journalists i was gonna say so Do i get to apply for those prizes that they give themselves <laughs> I, if we can i want in full disclosure we do and this has come up like katie kirk just got in trouble for doing this but we always give a, like a right of refusal to our guests we always say mm-hmm. if you say something stupid we'll let you cut it out because we always we and this is inside baseball for anybody who's listening anybody who's watching we always tell our guests we're not a gotcha podcast we're mm-hmm. we're not trying to break news or catch somebody in compromising situations we're just more interested in having a good conversation. So I don't know if like ethically we could call ourselves journalists, but I, I mean, <laughs> well, I, I, I honestly, I think it's one of those like Hippocratic oath things, but not like obviously not for the medical profession, but I, I feel like there are a number of individuals who will listen to this podcast and take it as news. So on, in a, in a sense there, I mean, we talk about a lot of things that like bless their hearts, OPB and Oregonian just don't have, the ability to cover nobody talks about republican politics takes it seriously so the other thing the parliamentary thing that matters that nobody really thinks about is the order so day one you break into your caucuses you do all your debating and then they send all of the changes go off to a, a recorder the recorder spends all night putting them all on paper and then so this is friday saturday everybody gets together And they go over, you know, top to bottom. And in both cases, we went preamble, two, three, four, five, six. So by the time you get to 16, 17, 18, everybody's ready for lunch or dinner, as it may be. They're sick of of doing this because it's now nine hours later. And, you know, so those last sections get a lot less scrutiny than the first ones do, which is another. and, And you can't really. I mean, I guess you can change the order. Someone actually tried to make a motion to to change the order specifically to p- make their own section last or, or well first, so that it got more more fair. attention. Yeah. Um, and it was it was interesting. It was uh, the motion was to put election integrity as section two behind the preamble because without election integrity, nothing else matters. That's I Which, for those of you not watching on YouTube, I just rolled my <laughs> eyes about as far as they can go without coming out the well, backside so, I of my mean, head. In, in theory, I, I would agree with that. Election integrity is very important. It is not a problem 
well, in, yeah, in okay, 2021. That's, yeah. It is important, and it is important it, that, it we, that we maintain is important. it. Yeah. Yes, um, I agree. There was not a stolen election in 2020, and mm. you know the election process... Breaking news, yeah. Every time the election process has been tested since then, it has passed. And now the, the Arizona audit came out, and uh, guess what? They were pretty darn close. <laughs> so anyway, we're getting a little sidetracked. But... I would agree. Intellectual integrity is very important. It is not the problem that a lot of conservatives are making it out to be. Well, and I, I feel like this is, and I and I apologize because you just said we're getting sidetracked. Now I'm about to sidetrack us even more. Please, but I feel like this is the this is the thing with this document in the first place. Is there are a lot of different things that are very important. Foreign relations is very important. I human rights is very important i this that the other all of these things are very important a lot of these things are stuff that the oregon republican party does not need to have a say on and i we i feel like you and i are looking at this and i'm wondering if if it's like i look at this like i'm a doctor about to perform a liposuction like this is not let's have a couple slim fast let's trim a little here let's dial back a little there and it's going to end up being all right i'd like to Honestly, I'm not even a liposuction doctor. I'm an exorcist. I would like to come out and just get, just exercise all of these demons. If we get this document down to one page to where it states what it philosophically means to be a conservative, regardless of all the other, because you're absolutely right. Election integrity is very important. Myriad other topics that are covered in this document are very important, but it doesn't have anything to do. Like we don't need to specifically take a position on every you know sb 554 or whatever like this is bad we need to put a page in this in the platform and it's just like all right come on guys what right are you doing? um so i i would agree with you i think this document should be more ideas and less policy and should be very short and actually in pendleton there was a motion to restrict the pol- the platform to a single page nice which failed and um our buddy daniel crow actually made a motion in bend that it would be restricted to a three by five card which <laughs> that's awesome I, I feel like is a bit much um i i love i love where you're coming from uh brother but uh yeah any, anyway daniel crow nominee for lieutenant governor in 2016 with a fantastic idea ladies and gentlemen he deserves our support <laughs> so anyway um I, right and and the other thing is that just because it's not overtly stated in the platform doesn't mean that you can't Wait, hold that view attorney general not not attorney general yes yeah, oregon doesn't have a lieutenant governor what am Correct. i saying sorry that's long week guys sorry my bad sorry daniel attorney general yeah so that was that was his uh his contribution which i thought was which is amazing like i said i, lo- I love where you're coming from buddy i don't know that three by five is probably that's probably a bit much I'd whittle it down to 10 words. If you can't fit what we stand for in 10 <laughs> words, that's there you go. Give me like my wife's earphone iPod case. If I can't write on that, what the, what it means to be a Republican, that's too much words. Right. So um, I'll just kind of get some of the highlights of the things that changed. Uh, the family plank, uh, family values, family plank, uh, believe it or not, got worse. Um, mm. Not significantly worse. Uh, it still has all the homophobic stuff in there. Um, but they rearranged it so that the homo- homophobic stuff is is at the top instead of at the middle because it's it's important supposedly. Uh, wasn't massive problem LGBTQ community here in Oregon ruining our way of life? Clearly, right, exactly. So they so really the biggest change is that they they reordered it because of the things they thought was more important, which again was the the homophobic part, not so much the you know the government should be out of of uh not even people's lives like a life begins at conception you like republicans used to be republicans (laughs) we would talk about being pro-life and stuff (laughs) right so anyway that was that i forget all the other changes um one the the caucus that i took part in was uh immigration and i chose immigration for a couple of reasons one it's not as contentious as healthcare or family because what you end up with like i said is about 40 people who that's what they came there to protect and little old me is not going to make you know is going to get outvoted by by the majority so not even bother with the other thing is the secret secretary was a uh, alex mckaydad with which is a uh, a friend of ours Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. And so he was he was taking notes. And uh, so I was like, oh, I'll come to yours. That'll be fun. So 
that was I think we actually made some really good progress. So again, what we're what I was trying to do is cut this thing down substantially. And immigration only had four planks. It had a, it had a um, it had a preamble and four planks. And what we did is we took the four planks and essentially conducted or condensed them into the preamble. So it ended up being about the same length, but instead of having four planks, it was it was it was more concise, I thought. But it also kind of I don't even want to say it watered down some of the stuff because it didn't, but it was still I think some people might have might have seen it that way. For instance, the old the old one 10.3 said all government business shall be conducted in English. That right there is is pretty I hate to use the word problematic, but it's problematic uh, because we're trying to be a friendly nation to immigrants. And if you say all government business is conducted in English, now all of a sudden someone immigrating, you know, I don't know, like my wife's family from Romania, they didn't show up speaking English. And, you know, when you sure show up and you have to get a driver's license or, you know, buy a house or I mean, all of the things that you have to do just to be a part of society, if you don't speak English and we're like, it's, it's a huge problem if other government, if all government business is conducted in English. Give me your tired, your poor and your individuals who downloaded Duolingo six months or a year before they came over here so that they're able to talk about whatever we're talking about here in English. Right. Yeah. I don't, I'll go check the next time I'm in North New Jersey, but I don't think that's what's written on the Statue of Liberty's little plaque there. That's a, that's a, that's a pretty bad problematic rule i'm right right there with you on so we removed that um we we replaced it with us with a sentence that basically said english should be the the official language of the united states which is going to sound to liberals uh like basically the same thing but sounds like splitting hairs (laughs) but it's not but that's a massive difference right there it's a massive difference and here's the reason immigrants not even immigrants everybody who is fluent in english is more likely to prosper in America. It doesn't, it's not as hard, not a hard cap like the other one. So you can have, so it's not saying that you cannot speak other languages in government business. So if you show up, if you come to the, to the country, not speaking English, you can still get a driver's license. You can still, again, do all these governmental things that are, that are needed in your native language. But it also says, you know, is kind of a push in the direction of, like I said, if you learn English in America, you are more likely to succeed. You're more likely to assimilate into American culture, participate. You're not going to cloister off in people who speak the same language, which not saying that that's entirely bad. But again, we're trying to get these people into our society and support them in the best way as possible. And I, they are best supported if they speak English. So we're not using a hammer to make everybody speak English, but at the same time, you know, just kind of saying this is the official language. You should be on your way to learning English if you are going to live here. Carrots, not sticks. Exactly. Big fan. Big fan. So I, I was okay with that, even though it, it, it sounds like it's just splitting hairs. Um, we got rid of 10.2, which said verification of employment eligibility by E-Verify is mandatory and violations by employers must be prosecuted without exception. We had a, so within the caucus, we had about, there are about nine of us. Um, and one of the ladies is a farmer and she said, we can't do that. That's impossible. We cannot use, E-Verify is such a broken, cumbersome system that is very narrow in its scope that we, we, if we used e-verify to verify all of our migrant workers, we would, our crops would, would wither on the vine and we would go broke. So she says what, what e-verify is good for is these big factory farms that have the resources to figure out the government bureaucracy and get everybody through the system and so what ends up happening, if we were to, if we, if this were to become law that E-Verify has to be used for everybody, she says, what would happen is all these family farms throughout Oregon would just have to sell to these big conglomerates, these big corporations, because you can't, it, it's impossible to do without a giant infrastructure. And so you're hurting small business in favor of big business. So we remove that. 
to say nothing of the fact that like if you stop and think for one second we're coming out of coronavirus and we are in the middle of this massive labor shortage in the country anywhere yeah. you look any jobs report any anything everybody's dying to get people to go and work there and we're talking about something like this that where we say we want to make it harder to go do not if forgetting hiring uh, uh, migrant workers versus, you know, resident United States citizens, whatever. Uh, f- accepting all of that, but exactly like this part, the, this small family farmer is saying, the, the time, the money, the resources that it takes to go through and have all this documented in this fantastically, I'm sure, bureaucratic, regulatory, red tapey fashion is enough to just absolutely kill small business family farmers. And it's just like, what are we doing if this is the thing that we as a party saying we're stand for? Yeah. What is exactly, this? exactly. And so we, we removed that section and had a really interesting conversation about uh, not really relating to the platform, but about how you cannot run a farm without essentially Mexican or Central American laborers who will, who will migrate up here for the season, you know, do a lot of the farm work and then, and then they go back to Mexico you there are not enough white people willing to do that work period and so if you were to, if you were if you were to hide you need these migrant workers and a lot of times they're not trying to stay here they're not trying to become citizens they want to come up make a bunch of money and then go back to mexico so that was another thing that we discussed whether or not to add was if we were in favor of a system that would allow that made it easier for migrant workers to come up for part of the year do the work and then go back home. And we didn't add anything because that's more of a policy question. And also like we're, we weren't smart enough to be able to come up with a good way to say that. I, I was going to say though, this would be a fun, I don't know in two years where it's going to be Umatilla or Salem or Grants Pass or wherever the next convention is. But this would be a fun little list to have running over the next two years of stuff that we want to add. And we want to say, let's add a planking about how how much we support small business, how much we support family farms, how much we support agriculture in this state, in this massive, very rural state. Once you get outside of Multnomah County and Portland Metro and all of a sudden, here's all the things that we do to support migrant. Who's what Republican is going to be opposed to that? Of course, we support rural agriculture, all these activities, right? Everybody, we're Republicans. This is what we do, right? Yeah, I like this. I this is this is listicle item number one here on the on the tally yeah exactly so one of the other things that we did was uh we we left we had a discussion about sanctuary cities sanctuary states and we left in the section about how we we don't support that which i feel like was not really a thing that was going to change anyway um me personally i think that being a sanctuary state is necessary in the short term uh just because when it when you don't allow people to go to the police for well if they if they go to the if they are afraid that they're going to get deported over small things then they're not going to go to the police over big things and what you end up with is is human trafficking and rape and all sorts of like very very awful crimes being done to people and then their silence is kept by the fact that if they go to the police, they could be deported. So while we have a significant population of Oregon, of the United States, as undocumented, we really need the sanctuary state rules, sanctuary city rules. So I guess backing up, what that means is you cannot be deported if the only crime is that you're here illegally. That's what sanctuary, or that, that, they, that local officials will not cooperate with ICE or federal in enforcement of immigration laws, if that is the only thing. Like if you if you commit another crime and you are here illegally, then yeah, you can get deported. No. But if your only crime is being here illegally, uh, you're you will not be well deported. And it's it's like a I for I forget the term. I think it's called secondary infraction, but it's like a seatbelt law, like where you cannot get pulled over for not wearing your seatbelt. But if you are speeding while not wearing your seatbelt, then a cop can come back and give you a ticket for speeding and also for not wearing your seatbelt. And I feel like what you're saying is it's kind of a good middle ground because philosophically, if 
anybody's committing any kind of crime, I, you know, you want it to be reported and you want it to be like addressed and taken care of. We can't have people living here in, in criminal status. But at the same time, the, this is one of those things where if you start to pull this thread, if you actually go down this route, what you end up with is a lot more serious problems. And you, for me, People come in here documented or undocumented. Uh, yeah, I'd prefer for for individuals to go through the the correct channels and get their citizenship and get their resident alien status and I, you know, all this, that, and the other thing. I think it's incumbent on us as Americans to make that process a lot easier and a lot less costly and a lot less time suck because it's right now it's a pain in the patuki for sure. But if you if you try to enforce something like that at the expense of allowing young children to be sold into prostitution or allowing individuals to to end up in the in the drug trades and all this kind of like actual serious crimes that we do need people to go and talk to the cops about and say hey you guys might want to take a look at this because there's a number of actual serious atrocities that's the type of thing that we need to be addressing as long as there's a significant population of undocumented people in Oregon i think that it's necessary I think if we and it's it's 60 years of not enforcing our immigration laws that has caused this huge population to to get here. I mean, you you cannot take everything, every decision in a vacuum. You know, you have to you have to accept the the current situation on the ground. You know, something like DACA, where if you came as as a child and you're not a U.S. citizen, you know, you were under Obama were allowed to you know, basically have a legal, legal status because they came over as kids and, and got raised their entire lives. Absolutely necessary. Given the fact that we had 20 years of not enforcing immigration laws, like it it just is like you, you, when you cannot take, if we were to go back in time to before illegal immigration was, was an issue in America and we were, someone were to say, propose the DACA legislation, I would say absolutely not. It's not something that's necessary. But now that we have this huge population of people, it's a humanitarian issue. Like you said, you can't have people living here without legal status. They they need to have some they need to be plugged into the system and I think DACA was a great way to do that for people who really through no fault of their own ended up in this country uh without documentation. And I and, and and the problem is not individuals who came over at some point, especially when you're looking for meaningful labor. Yeah. Sure. The the problem is the immigration system in this country in and of itself. And it's mm-hmm. if, if we're going to put national issues in the Republican Party platform, this is the, the type of thing we need to be able to call a spade a spade and say, hey, this is massively screwed up. And we are making this far more difficult and far more expensive and far more time can like time wasting for all these individuals who are trying to come here and provide food for their families what the heck are we doing like we've grossly misprioritized the the stuff that we need to be paying attention to here there was some discussion of adding a a sentence about how we the republican party uh, want or pressure the government to fix the broken immigration system but it ended up not not going through of um, course. The other thing that I wanted to talk about was the religious liberty section. Oh, here so, we go. This will be fun. Oh, my goodness. So, th- and this goes back to the issue of the parliamentarian system. So, the person who is supposed to be the chair of the religious liberty section um, actually, I th- think, passed away. Like, I think they died of COVID. Oh, geez. So, they couldn't find another person in time to lead that section. So, what they did is they took religious liberty and added it to family values. So, family and religious liberty were all one section. They were going to do family and then they were going to do religious liberty. And uh, our another friend of the pod, Reagan Canope, was the chair of the, those connected sections. Good guy, Reagan. And so, what they ended up doing, I talked to him after the fact was the first so he had like a three-hour session i think it's three hours or four hours i forget but basically the first two hours 45 minutes they spent talking about family and like I, we already discussed they basically changed the order of the of the bullets and that was about it i think there was other a couple other minor changes but basically made almost no changes but they, they spent 80 percent of their time on that so then they came to religious liberty and this pastor who it's his first time there he says i've been thinking about this one i have some changes i'd like to make uh and he 
proposed nine bullets. So previously, the religious liberty section was a paragraph. It was a preamble that basically said, you know, we believe in religious liberty. You know, you can do what you want when it comes to religion. Seems fine to me. That I support, yeah. Added nine bullets. Nine bullets. All uh, right. What, <laughs> what so do we be, got? Lay because, it on me. Because they were short on time, they basically said, oh, this guy's a pastor. They barely even read it. And they just said, okay, you know, we'll, we'll approve it. We got to get out of here. Uh, all, all in favor, I And they, they ran with it. So they added nine bullets to this thing. Um, and so... I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give away the the ending um, when it came up the following day. So this is section 18. So it's at the very end of the, of the yeah. day. Everybody's tired. Usually these are just kind of pencil whips, like you know, all in favor, you know, whatever. And um, this one in particular, uh, they actually rejected the changes. Okay. So this was the only section where the changes were rejected, which means we went back to the 2019 version, which was just the one paragraph, which was nah. which was fine. Um, I fully supported that decision. Uh, these, oh, it's not um, a good nine bullets. Okay. It's no, it's not a good nine bullets. Oh, um, I got all excited. For instance, we support the original intent of the first amendment and reject the myth of the supposed quote, separation of church and state. Oh. Unquote. Uh, 18.6. We oppose any efforts to tax religious organizations. Um, let's see. 18.4 as john adams said in the letter to Je- thomas jefferson in 1813 so first of all don't what? reference letters so, like yeah. come on it's uh, like somebody quoting this podcast right. 200 years ago. i was like as james moore said <laughs> uh anyway as john adams said to thomas jefferson the principle the gen the general principles on which the founding fathers of independence were the principles the principles of christianity we support a return to honoring the christian heritage of the united states we oppose any effort to incorporate other immoral or unlaw or lawless belief systems into our culture, such as aspects of Sharia law, which includes encouraging religious persecution, honor killings, beheadings, and other barbaric acts. Oh boy, what I have questions for this guy. So basically, basically, we're a Christian nation, and uh, Islam is bad. <laughs> Islam um, is bad. All billion of you, you are not welcome here. Let me tell you. Oh, here we go. Eighteen eight. So this this was all this was all tossed out. Mercifully, so, yeah. So mercifully, this was all tossed out. Eighteen eight. We support the public display of the Ten Commandments as a reflection of our history oh, and our God. country's Judeo-Christian heritage. Oh no. Yeah. So anyway, thankfully, cool. thankfully, the caucus or the the body rejected those changes oh. and went back to where it was. But like. Oh my goodness! I gotta stop saying bad stuff about the ORP. That's I thought that would have been like shark bait for those guys. I thought for sure something like that would have been instantly, instantly gaveled in with approval. <laughs> well, I, I I think it. I mean, it basically took religious liberty and made it. Well, we're all we're actually all Christians. We're a theocracy now. <laughs> no big deal or anything. But just want to let you guys know. So one of the other things I kind of wanted to touch on, and I probably should have done this in order, but uh, that didn't occur to me until just now, is uh, the natural resources section. And so this is actually one that was that ballooned quite a bit. Um, I don't remember how I I could look it up, but it, it it they added several planks to this one, which again, in general, I don't like seeing this thing grow. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if anything, it should condense, but. Um, it was uh, it, this is so this is a plank that was added to the section by uh, Representative David Rocksmith, who was there. Um, and it's again, it's it's pretty wordy. Normally, I wouldn't like that in here, but uh, five dot twenty. The lack of active healthy forest management has devastated Oregon, Oregon communities. We understand the best carbon sequestration mechanism on the planet is our forests. Sustainable forest management sequesters carbon through wood products for generations and drives replanting for increased carbon sequestration benefits while mitigating catastrophic wildfire that releases stored carbon as well as cancer-causing agents that are harmful to the life, health, and safety of Oregonians and wildlife. We further understand that post-fire harvest stops the release of stored carbon on burnt landscape, sequesters the stored carbon through wood products for generations, 
and drives replanting carbon sequestration, sequestering trees across the landscape that otherwise would not exist for centuries. I got to say, you just said the word sequester more times in the last 30 seconds. Than yes. I've heard in the last uh, five so years. I, I don't like how wordy it is. I wish he, he could have cut that down. But the general principle, I think, was great. Mm-hmm. And there, w- there was some some fighting about this on the floor. Someone came in and tried to tried to amend this to basically gut it. And then uh, Brock Smith got up in, in front of everybody and said, this is the language I need to use in the Capitol. If we are going to make progress for timber for small business for you know not just letting our our state burn every year this is the language that we need to use and it ended up passing like that's going to be that section is going to be in part of the platform going forward good deal so um dbs friend of the pod yeah come on sometime (laughs) i'll go i'll give him a call oh yeah but yeah so that that was um well, so I, that's, I feel like that's a nice little uh, addendum or maybe end cap. I don't know how long we're running, but I feel like it's a nice little end cap because I feel like that's a that's an example of a of a positive change, yes. which is for as, as wordy and loquacious as that is. And that is problematic in and of itself. And I just I got a little rim shot joke there. But <laughs> I, I, I do feel like if we're going to be, you know, shoehorning all this, you know, paragraphs worth of text in there, it might as well be for something good. And the next time somebody comes up and says, this is what the ORP platform, this is what the the, the thing says. Do, you know, you have to defend this or you're not a real Republican. You can just jump right back and say, well, here's also what that platform says. I am in favor of carbon sequestration. I am in favor mm-hmm. of promoting the one really great resource that Oregon has, which is our, our forests, our, you know, our natural resources. And, you know, if you don't get the Greens on board with that, if you don't get a, you know, a bunch of Democrats on board with that, to say nothing of the fact that, you know, all of us mm-hmm. Republicans are right there. We're, we've been the ones trumpeting this from the get go about how much of a problem it is that Kate Brown, that the federal government, that everybody, BLM, doesn't take the time to invest in correct forest management so we still have all these massive fires on a year after year after year basis we're the ones actually out there trying to fix the problem let's go find the democrat platform but i bet there's not anything in there about that yeah so i would say overall i would say it's a positive like i said the the parts that i really wish i could have gotten rid of the the anti-gay marriage stuff uh is still in there but and they changed the order a little bit, but it wasn't like that much worse. Plus, we made some some improvements on the margins. So I, I think I think it was overall a positive change for the platform. Give it like um, a, a B minus worth of a convention. If you had to well, put, a, put a letter grade, what do we got? Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, probably B minus. All right. Um, you know, the stuff that the, the really bad stuff is still in there, but it's it's better than it was. So I would say that okay. that's a that's a step in the right direction. So we always end the show with asking people who their favorite Republicans are. And I know we've, you and I have each ended the show by answering that question before. But so we're, we're, we're we'll do a little curveball today. Today we're going to end the show with by, by saying, if you had to give advice to anybody who's listening to this, who wants to take part for good or bad and in the convention two years from now, what are the steps that you should take? What are the things that you should be looking to do? And what are the, the who are the individuals you should look to contact? What news should you look to read? What's what's the whole process so that somebody can go from zero to 60 and in two years make a meaningful impact for the better like David Brock Smith just did? That's that's a really good question. Uh, so you go to Oregon.gop. That is the Oregon Republican Party website, and they have uh, on there somewhere is a list of all the county chairs they have with phone numbers and email. Go on there, call, email the chair of your county party, and you tell them that I want to be a precinct committee person. You go, they'll tell you when they come, they have their quarterly meetings, you show up, you get uh, approved by acclamation, and now you're a member of the party. You're a voting member of the party. And then two years from now, we will have elections that that, that will put the, the delegates and then also bonus delegates. That's a little bit more complicated. doesn't matter. Um, topic for another pod. Topic for another pod. Uh, more parliamentary nonsense. But there will be elections two years from now of who gets to go to the next convention and represent the party. And there's only 200 people there. You know, it's based on population. And so Multnomah County where I was living at the time had 18 or so delegates and, you know, Union County had two, but 
you know, th- this is this is how you get started. And this everybody is, gets and, a say. Right. Everybody gets a say. And as long as you're at that meeting, you know, you get to go to these caucuses and put in your input and you get to vote for stuff. So the first step. Yeah. Go to Oregon.gop. Look up your county chair and go apply to be a precinct committee person. Oregon.gop. Become a precinct committee person. Show up to the meetings. Get involved. Come early. Stay late. Be loud. And University of Texas was wear orange. I don't wear green they're, probably they're here, but the meetings are yeah, so boring. We used to sneak beers but into get- <laughs> ours, but like I, I don't know that I'd, I'd I wouldn't say on radio that I'd recommend that, but if you happen to, it might make the meetings it's, go by a little quicker. It, yeah, but it's 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 a long, hard slog. It's it's very intense but at the end of the day the results are the proof is in the pudding it it does end up being worth it because you can make positive changes this is not something where you need to raise a million dollars you need to go win an election to run for congress you know any this that and the other thing you can just show up and have a meaningful say and have an impact and also parliamentary nonsense phrase you just said would be a great punk band one of these days (laughs) if we ever get out of the podcasting business we'll just do a ska thing also one other thing there there was a motion made in Pendleton two years ago to remove the gay marriage, anti-gay marriage language, and it failed, but it only failed about 60-40. So if you if we there's only 200 people at this meeting, if we get 40 or 50 more people who want to get rid of that section, you can get rid of that section. So folks, it, it does not take a lot of people to make a big lasting change in the party. So I would encourage everyone to get involved with your local party and see what you can about getting on board for two years from now. There it is. Here, here. If that is not a resounding, go out and get involved. I, I, we, we trumpet that on pretty much every episode of this podcast, but here especially, go out and get involved. Exactly. And with that, we'll call it a day. Listeners, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rational Republican Podcast. Your hosts are James Ball and Nick Perlosky. The show today is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors of Portland, serving the greater Portland metro area for all your garage door installation and repair needs. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at james at jamesaball.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find our episodes at jamesaball.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.